Well, happy Mother's Day to all the mamas in the house. You know, some of my friends were kind of teasing Sean a little bit and they were telling him like, you know, it's really not right that Krista has to work on Mother's Day, right? Like you're making her speak on Mother's Day. She has to work. Um, but honestly, I can tell you that this is one of my favorite things to do. And I actually think that it is an honor to get to share the word of God with you this morning. And so it doesn't even seem like work to me. In fact, I feel like I don't have to speak on Mother's Day, but I get to speak on Mother's Day, man. So, you know, we started a new series last week and it's called Soap. And Pastor Sean did an incredible job of just laying the foundation of the importance of studying God's word. And if you missed the service last week, I encourage you uh, to check out that message on our YouTube page or also in the Church Center app. And, And see, the goal of this series is really to help you to understand that if we allow it to, God's word can shape our life. If we allow it to, God's word can shape our life. You know what? We can find wisdom. We can find inspiration, instruction, and correction for our lives right there in the word of God. But we've got to open it up and begin to let it speak to us and transform our lives. You see, we want to be a church that is not only fed by the word on Sunday mornings, But we want to be um, a community of believers here at the Grace Place who also knows how to feed themselves. You know what? We want to be a group of believers who know how to read and study the word of God to show ourselves approved. Amen? Amen. Well, the Center for Bible Engagement actually did a study um, and they used 40,000 people from the ages of eight years old all the way to 80 years old. And they recorded data of what happens when people read their Bible consistently. Okay. And the statistics were absolutely incredible. What happened when people were consistent in the word of God? So here's what they found out that people who read the word of God at least four times a week. Okay. So people People who read the word at least four times a week, this is what happened in their lives. Feelings of loneliness decreased by 30%. Loneliness decreased by 30%. Feelings of anger decreased by 32% for people who engaged in the word. Okay, bitterness in relationships, so that's marriages, that's friendships, that's family. Bitterness in those relationships decreased by 40%. Alcoholism decreased by 57%. And and this is, you guys got to understand, they're not changing anything else in their life except being consistent in reading the word of God. Viewing pornography decreased by 61%. 61%. And you know what? Here's two of my absolute favorite statistics that they found. When people engaged in the word at least four times a week, sharing their faith went up 200%. 200%. And discipling others increased by 230%. Like that is incredible. And I think it just makes sense because when we begin to engage and read the word of God and, and hear the good news of Jesus, right? And we begin to see who God actually is. We can't keep it to ourselves. We have to share it. The word of God is powerful, It is life-changing. The word is the bread of life. And just like we need, you know, to, to feed ourselves every single day to keep our physical bodies strong, 
We also need to feed on the word every single day to keep our spirits strong. Amen. I believe that we have two options. You can let your life be shaped by the world or it can be shaped by the word. You can either be shaped by the world or you can be shaped by the word. There really is no neutral. It's one or the other. And from the looks of the statistics that I just shared with you this morning, for me, the choice is easy. I choose the word. I choose the word. You know, I think that we've built a pretty solid case for you to see how important it is for you to study the word of God. But I also don't want to just get up here and tell you that you should do it. I also want to show you how to do it. How many of you would appreciate some simple and practical tools to help you get started? Yeah. So for the next few weeks, we are going to be using the SOAP Bible study method to talk through some scripture passages together. And our hope is this, is that if you, um, as you see us begin to break down the scripture and begin to apply it to our lives, that it will take away some of the fear that maybe you have. It will take away that intimidation factor of studying. And you will realize that you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a pastor or a leader or someone who has grown up in church your whole life. Even you can study the Bible. Now, the SOAP method is not the only uh, method for studying the Bible. There are many methods out there and many incredible methods, but we chose SOAP because I believe it's very simple, it's straightforward, and people from any age and any level can learn how to use it. So let's get started today with our SOAP method. So the S in SOAP stands for scripture. Everybody say scripture. Scripture. All right. Well, today we're going to be looking at 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now, typically when I'm doing a soap study on my own in my personal devotion time, I like to read it in a few different translations. And the reason I do this is because one version might have a word that really stands out to me or draws me in, or, or maybe it's said in a different version in a way that just makes me think differently about it. Okay. So, so for the sake of time today, I'm only going to read it in one version, and that version is going to be the New Living Translation. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there with me, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. You can look it up on your phone, or you can always follow along with us on the screen. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 this morning. It says this, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. So that's the S for our scripture this morning. The O in SOAP stands for observations. Observations. So let's just take a look at these scriptures that we just read and let's see what we can observe here. 
The first thing that I observe is her desperation. The widow's desperation. She was in a desperate situation. You know what? She had no husband. She had no money. And now her creditors were threatening to come and take her sons as slaves to cover, to be able to cover the family's debt. Now, can you imagine what she must have been feeling? Alone, overwhelmed, afraid. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had a time in your life where the problem was just too big? You had no answers. You had no hope and you were desperate. You see, but what I see about this woman is that even in the midst of her desperation, when she was at the end of her rope, she knew where to go. She knew where to go in spite of her pain, her problems and her lack of possibilities. She knew who to turn to. She looked to God for the help that she needed. She knew to take it to God. I also see here that in her desperation, she almost missed the provision that she had in her house. Look at verse two. Elisha asks, tell me what do you have in the house? And she says, nothing at all. Oh, except a flask of oil. You know what? In her desperation to find an answer to her problem, she almost disregarded the very thing that God would later use to bring her miracle. You know, I think that's very easy for us to do as well. In our desperation, we get so focused on our situations, on our problems, we kind of get tunnel vision and all we see is the problem. And we miss the very thing that perhaps God wants to use to bring our miracle. In your notes this morning, desperation will either drive us to fear or it will drive us to faith. When you're desperate, that desperation is either going to drive you towards fear or it's going to drive you to your knees in faith. This woman in our story, she chose faith. She chose faith. The second thing that I observe as I read these scriptures this morning is her obedience. Her obedience. You know what? I'm actually in awe of this woman's obedience. I mean, think about this story. This prophet Elijah tells her, you know, to, to go and, and ask all of her friends and her neighbors for these empty jars. And then she's supposed to take this little flask of oil and, and fill up these jars. And, and with this little flask, that is going to make fill up all these big jars. Like it just makes no sense to me. And yet in verse five, it says, so she did as she was told. So she did as she was told. Now, come on now. A woman did what she was told? Like in my house, that would be considered a bigger miracle than the multiplying of the oil. Right, Sean? No, don't answer that. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. You got to be nice to me here. But seriously, she was all in on what the man of God told her to do. Like she was like ride or die. She didn't ask questions. She didn't have any suggestions on like how she could make the plan a little better or improve it. You know, like she just obeyed. She obeyed. You know, I wish I could say that I had, I would have responded like that woman. Like I wish I could say, oh yes, I would have obeyed. Um, but honestly, I'm probably a little bit more like that meme that I've seen on the internet that you've probably seen it. It says, you know, I'm not a ride or die chick. Like I've got questions. Okay. Like, like where are we riding to? 
Um, and why do we have to die? And then the most important question always is, uh, can we get food on the way? Right? Right. So, so that's honestly probably a bit more my style. So that's probably why this woman inspires me with her obedience. No matter how crazy she may have looked, no, no matter that it didn't make any sense to her or anyone else, without any concrete evidence, without any just complete assurance that it was going to work out, she trusted, she laid down her pride, and then she just began to gather the jars. She obeyed. But you see, she didn't just obey by gathering the jars. She had to continue to walk in obedience and start pouring out the oil. It's continued obedience. Now, now, can you imagine the faith that that took? Now, I'm not sure if you're grasping this, but, but all she had, everything of value, everything that meant anything to her was this small flask of oil. It wasn't like some big jar of oil. Actually, most um, Bible historians say it was probably a small flask, not even enough to be used for cooking, but it was used for like anointing things. So probably something like this. Like this, this small thing. And this was, here's the thing. Not only is it small, but it's also all she had. And now this prophet is telling her to take this small thing. That's all she has. And to begin to pour it out and not only pour it out, but pour it out into these big jars and these big pots. And then somehow they're just going to fill up. It made no sense. There was nothing logical about it, and yet she chose to obey. You know what? She had faith, and, and so she began to pour, and she didn't stop pouring until the very last jar was full. Here's what I see here is that when we surrender what's in our house, God can multiply it. When we surrender the little thing that we think is not enough, and we surrender it to God, he can multiply it. Let me say it like this this morning. When we obey, God can make a way. When we obey, God can make a way. The third thing I observe in our scripture today is her miracle. I observe her miracle. In verse five and six, it says, her sons kept bringing the jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. The first thing I see here is this, is that her miracle was in direct correlation to her expectation and her preparation. Her miracle was in direct correlation to her expectation and her preparation. You know what? The oil didn't stop flowing until after the last jar was full. So that makes me wonder what would have happened if she had gathered more jars. What would have happened if she would have prepared and expected even more? You know what? I'm pretty convinced that the oil would have filled those jars as well because I believe that there is no limit to the amount of oil God would be willing to pour out for her. The only limit was on the amount of jars that she brought. You know, I think the same is true for us. Our expectation and our preparation can affect what we receive from God. You know, God wants to give us all that we are willing to make room for in our lives. He wants to give us everything that we're willing to prepare for, that we're willing to expect from him. The second thing I see here is that her miracle was beyond what she even asked for. 
It was beyond what she asked for. In verse one, she comes to Elisha with this need of paying off her creditors so that she won't lose her sons. But then in verse seven, it says, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what's left over. Notice that left over part. You see, God didn't just meet her need. He went over and above. God's supply was far more than just sufficient. He went beyond, and that's the kind of God we serve. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ever think or ask or even imagine today. Her miracle was beyond what she even asked for. The A in SOAP stands for application. Application. So let's just look at some ways that we can apply this scripture today. The first application is this. When you have a need, remember where to take it. When you have a need, remember where to take it. It sounds so simple, but it's actually profound. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Tell God what you need. You know, we've got to quit wasting time going to everyone around us for help and for answers. We've got to stop trying to fix the situation and keep it in our own control. And we've got to take it to Jesus. You know what? He is the only one that has the answers. Stop looking to people or to things for your provision and start looking to your provider. Look to your provider. In Psalms 121, 1 and 2, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. He is our helper. He is our helper. He wants to help us, but we have to take it to him. You know, in the midst of our struggle, we can lift our eyes to a God who loves us. We can lift our voice and we can call out to him for help because you know what? He is sensitive to your need. He is sensitive to your struggle and he is ready to respond. He wants to respond, but we've got to take it to him. The next application is this. Let desperation drive you to faith, not fear. Let desperation drive you to faith, not fear. You know what? Desperate times may call for desperate measures, but we have the choice to allow that desperation to either drive us to fear or drive us deeper into our faith. You know, when we walk through situations and, and they feel impossible, it's very easy for us to, to lose hope. It's very easy for us to falter in our faith and we begin to doubt and we begin to fear and we begin to ask questions like, like, does God have a plan for my life? And, and, and does he really care about me? But in these desperate times, we cannot depend on how we feel because you know what? Our feelings are fickle. They're ever-changing. They're up, they're down, they're all around. We cannot stand on our feelings. We cannot depend on our feelings. We have to stand on what we know. And what we know about God is found in the truth of his word. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
We serve a God who holds it all together, guys. He holds it all together. In Psalm 118.6, it says, The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? He's for us. Psalm 23.4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This morning, we've got to believe that he is with us. We've got to believe and stand that he is for us and he's making a way when it seems like there is no way. We have to trust that he is good and that he is God. And we have to choose today to choose faith over fear. Let your desperation drive you deeper in your faith. Don't get distracted by fear and doubt. The last application I see is this. Don't underestimate what's in your house. Don't underestimate what's in your house. You know, the Bible is full of stories. It's full of stories of God taking what seemed to be very small, what seemed to be insignificant and not enough, and and he turned it in to something great. You know what? He did it with people. If you think about David, he was just this teenage shepherd boy that his dad didn't even think he was important enough to bring him before Samuel, to even be considered to be the king, right? Like, I mean, he he was totally forgotten, totally overlooked, very small, very insignificant. And yet God chose him to be the king of his nation and of his people. You know, God does it with things. Think about the little boy's lunch, just five loaves and two small fish. How was that supposed to feed 5,000 men plus women and children? And yet, after Jesus was done with it, they fed all the people and even had enough left over for a few doggy bags to take home. Amen? So when you see and you look at what you have in your hand and what you have in your house, it, it may just look like this tiny flask of oil. Like, what could you possibly do with that? It's not enough to meet the need. But God can take what you have. God can take what you have. And and he can take not only what you have, but what you're willing to surrender to him. Okay, because it's not just enough to have it. You've got to also surrender it to him. And when you surrender it to him, he can bless it. And he can break it. And he can multiply it. And he can make it more than enough. He can make it more than enough. Don't underestimate what you have in your hand, what you have in your house. Be willing to be obedient and surrender it to him and see what God can do. The P in soap stands for prayer. Stands for prayer. Very simple, right? So we read the scripture, we made some observations and saw what the scripture said, and then we kind of took out some application from that word, and then you're just going to end in a time of prayer. And that's what I want for us to do this morning.